All right. Let's, let's, let's clap for them one more time. So thank you for these families, awesome kids, different ages. Uh, to see them dedicated to God is a super significant moment. Uh, well, let's go ahead and dismiss the rest of our children to be with our team in Redemption Kids. Uh, so you can go ahead and make your way up there. And uh, the rest of you can open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We will be in chapter 4 today, starting in verse 9. And as you turn there, I want to welcome all of our guests. Again, if you're here for the parent-child dedication or this is your first Sunday with Redemption Hill, we're so thankful that you've chosen to come today. We expect that God's going to encourage you and help you understand his amazing love uh, as we spend time together. If you are new, we hope you got uh, a greeting from our connections team and got a first-time guest gift bag. If you didn't, Catch them on the way out. We want to hook you up with a little gift uh, just to say thank you for joining us today. Well, uh, I love parent-child dedications. And, you know, this is so important because we believe that the church exists to come alongside of parents to help them as they are the primary spiritual influence in a child's life, all right? So please hear what I'm saying. Uh, the church does not replace parents as the primary spiritual influence in the home, all right? Sometimes we think like, hey, I'm going to come to church, and church is kind of like little league, you know what I'm saying? Like they'll teach my kid how to open their Bible and read and live like Jesus, or maybe piano lessons, and hey, little league is great. Piano lessons is great. And, and we as a church, of course, want to come alongside and even help you because you may be new to Christianity. You may be new to following Jesus. Like, what do I even do? I'm learning myself. And that's why we're here to help you. But parents have the primary role as the spiritual influencers over their children to point them to the character of God and the love of God in Jesus Christ. And it's so important uh, as we honor moms and celebrate moms today uh, to, to, to see that this is the reality, that it is parents who are taking this primary role. Uh, so many of you have heard me talk a lot about my dad because my dad was my hero. And he taught me uh, not only to play basketball, although that was super important to me as a kid, uh, but, but he taught me how to be a man and taught me how to, 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 to follow God. But as great as my dad is, it was my mother who was the primary spiritual influence in my life. And that's no knock on dad, but that is a shout out to Brenda Turley for how she prayed for me, how she encouraged me in the ways of God, how she has supported me step by step through my journey in life. And I'm so thankful that our four kids have a shining example of a godly mother who is doing the same things for them today. And if you're wondering why I'm a little more dressed up, I got the button up on today. Okay, that's for my mom who's definitely going to be tuning in today online, all right? And I went with the no glasses because uh, Marsha, a.k.a. Mommy, she likes those baby blues, all right? I'm just saying. That's what's up. So, uh, so if you're wondering why the, the look is a little different, now you know. All right, now you know. Uh, but but, but, but as, I think about, as I think about my mom, as I think about Marsha, as I think about the amazing mothers that make up the family known as Redemption Hill Church, what I love about these women are that they are making a difference both inside of the home and outside the home. 
And that's what God has called us to. God has made us to make a difference inside the home and outside the home. And that's what Paul talks about in verses 9 through 12 of 1 Thessalonians 4. Read along with me as I read these verses for us. This is what Paul says. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this more and more. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. The encouragement I want to give us today, especially the moms, but all of us here today, is to keep making a difference inside and outside the home. What we find here in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 9 through 12, is that Paul is addressing these group of Jesus followers who are now a spiritual family. The, the, the Bible says that, that once we come to know God as our Father, we're adopted into his family, we are now brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself talked about this in Luke chapter 8, verses 19 through 21. Listen to what he said. It says that his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because there was such a massive crowd around Jesus gathering to hear his teaching. And it says he was told, Jesus was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. And then Jesus takes the opportunity with his physical family outside waiting for him to make a spiritual point. And he says what? He says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus says, if you know God, if you love God, if you're living for God, you belong to God's family. And this is what Paul then talks about in Ephesians chapter 2, where he says, for through him, through Jesus, we have access in one spirit to the Father, and we are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow, fellow citizens with the saints, and what does it say, and members of the household of God. So as we think about what Paul is saying here in these verses, he's talking about the church as a spiritual family, as a household of God. He says it three different ways in the first couple of verses. In verse 9, he speaks of the brotherly love that they share for one another. He's talking about the kind of love that every family member should have for every other family member. Then in verse 10, he says, you're showing this love to all of God's family spread throughout this entire region. And he calls them brothers and sisters. He says, brothers and sisters, love all the more. I want you to listen to how N.T. Wright translates these verses uh, in verses 9 and 10. He says, now about charitable concern for the whole family, 
I don't really need to write to you because you yourselves have been taught by God to care for one another. Indeed, you are doing this for all the Christian family in the whole of Macedonia. But we urge you, my dear family, to do this even more. And so we can see that Paul's focus is the spiritual family, the spiritual household of God. And yet, on this Mother's Day Sunday, we understand that these principles that we see here of making a difference inside the home through increasing love and making a difference outside the home through our work and wisdom, that they have application to our own families, what's happening in our physical household and then outside of our physical household with those who have yet to believe in Jesus. And so I want to give you two encouragements as we work our way through this section. The first is simply this, make a difference inside the home through increasing love. Make a difference inside the home through increasing love. In verses 9 and 10, Paul says, the love of God that has transformed your life from the inside out is teaching you to love with the kind of love that you have experienced from God. We're talking about a personal love, a joyful love, a sacrificial love. And as great as it is, if you haven't called mom yet, by the way, if mom is not with you, then you need to, first thing when you walk out of this building is call your mama and tell how much you love them, all right, and love her. Uh, but, but, but as great as the love of a mother is, as great as any human love that we will ever experience in this life, there is a greater love, and that is the love of God in Jesus Christ. Amen? John 3.16 says it like this, for God so loved the world. He loved the world like this, that he gave his one and only son. And we know that son would be sacrificed for our sin, as it talks about in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his love for us. He showed us how much he loved us. That while we were still sinners, while we were saying, God, I got this. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need to follow your ways. Even though that leaves us empty-handed and empty on the inside. God says, look, I love you too much to leave you to yourself. I love you too much to persist in your foolishness. I love you enough that I am going to send my son to die for us, for you. And so the love of God is what motivates our love. It's interesting how Paul says we don't need to write about love as we think about like he did in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not rude. It's not irritable. It's not self-seeking. It keeps no records of wrong. He said, I don't have to write about that to you. Why? Because you have been taught by God. Paul is echoing the words of the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 13 where it says the children of Zion will be taught by the Lord. The Thessalonians were, I like this, God taught. And what he seems to be implying here is that as they heard the good news of God's love through Jesus and as they experienced God's love through Jesus and turned their life around and experienced his love to, to follow him, this love transformed their hearts. 
and the Holy Spirit of God who now lives inside of them is giving them the strength and the power to extend love to one another. What Paul is saying is, It seems that there is almost this instinctual impulse to love the people around you once you meet the love of God in Jesus Christ. We're talking about spiritual instincts, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes inside of a person and changes them from the inside out. We start wanting what we didn't want before. We start thinking like we've never thought before. We start loving like we've never loved before. And Paul has already thanked God for their labor of love. In chapter 1, verse 3, he's already prayed, as John taught us last week, that they would overflow more and more in their love. But as we're seeing in Thessalonians, listen, this, this being taught by God to love one another was not simply gaining information. It was primary, primarily living out this experience of love in their everyday lives. And so Paul seems to be saying, hey, I don't need to write to you how to love one another because you're already putting these things into practice. And he says that in verse 10. He says, that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, and we urge you to do this more and more. So Macedonia was the region where Thessalonica was located. We can think New England here in Boston. And so he's saying that the the brothers and sisters, the the family of God that is scattered all throughout your region, they have not just heard that God has done something crazy in your life, but they have even experienced your love. And they're talking about it. They're, They're encouraged by the love that you have shown them. And we step back and say, well, well, how could this be? Was it, you know, the Thessalonians, they were like moving from town to town and, and, and sharing Christ's love with people in tangible ways. Maybe there was a little of that going on. But we can see from the rest of the New Testament that these Macedonian Christians, particularly those in Thessalonica, as an example, they were very generous. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. It says, he says that they gave out of their poverty. They didn't have much by, by material possession. They didn't have a lot of money in the bank account. But still, they took what they had and they gave as much as they could. And Paul says why they did so is because they loved the people around them. And I just want to say that every time we give a financial gift to the work of God in Redemption Hill, or we give a financial gift above and beyond to individuals around us, maybe in our community group, we do so as an act of love. And listen, not not only that, but to take it a little bit deeper, we do it as an act of love that reflects the greatest love in, I just said it, right, Jesus Christ. Because what Paul goes on to do in 2 Corinthians 8 is he says, hey, you gave out of your poverty to meet the needs around you. And this is exactly who God is because we see this in the life of Jesus Christ. He says that Jesus, though he was rich, in other words, he owns it all. He has all the glory in the heavenly places. He set that aside and he 
took on flesh and came to earth. It says, though he was rich, he became poor like us so that we through his poverty might become rich. And Paul is saying, look, this kind of love that you're displaying throughout all of the region where you live, we want to do this more and more and more. He's urging them to do this more and more. There's an intensity and a passion to his instruction. He's saying, don't stop, but keep allowing the, the quality and the quantity of your love to increase as you have opportunity. And this reminds us, listen, that, that our relationships are not static, but they are dynamic. The love of a mother for her child or children, the, the, the love of a, of, a, of a friend for a friend. Our relationships are not steady state, but they are dynamic, which means we need to continue to seek to increase in our love, to sh- take opportunities to show that love that God has placed in our hearts. And you say, well, Pastor Tanner, how can, how can I do that? How can I, how can I increase in the love that God has given me? And it's really quite simple. Number one, we understand that God is the infinite fountain of love. It talks about this in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 9. It says that, that, that the people of Israel, they had gone to all of these other wells that were broken and could not hold water rather than going to the fountain of living water, God himself. And so God never runs out of, of love. He continually pours out more and more and more. The reason God created the world is because he loves. The reason God saves us and is still saving us today is because he loves. God is the infinite fountain of love. That's number one, simple as that. And then number two, listen, if you follow Jesus, that fountain is in you. That fountain is in you. Amen? Amen. This is amazing that God, Jesus says it like this in John chapter 7. He says that out of your life, if you live and believe in me, will flow streams, rivers of living water. And John makes this parenthetical note. He says Jesus is talking about the spirit whom Jesus would give everyone who follows him. So if you follow Jesus and you have everything you need because God lives inside of you and you can love the people around you because he gives you what you need to love them even when you don't feel like it. Even when it it doesn't make sense. He gives us the strength to love and love again. Moms, just, just tell me if you can identify with this. When you feel like you can't answer one more question. Amen? When you've heard the word mommy 45 times already that day. Amen? Man, you guys must have it easy. Some of these, do we have it easy moms out there? I'm just wondering, you give me some soft amens. I'm just saying. How about, how about this one? Maybe this will get a little bit louder. All right. When, when you feel like you can't meet one more need. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm just checking on you here today. Uh, when you feel like you can't make one more sacrifice. Amen? I mean, it is sacrificial to be a mom because I don't know, but it took me a while. I'm just going to humble myself and keep it real today, all right? 
it took me a while to see that my kids treat mom different than they treat me. I mean, it's just like, we'll be hanging out, mom will be gone, doing her thing, whatever. And then, you know, it's like all of a sudden when mom gets home, the hungry button gets pushed inside their stomach. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I want mommy, can I get some food? She's like, dad's been here for, for three hours and you didn't ask him once. I mean, we can't explain these phenomenons of the universe, but part of it's how God has wired kids to look to their moms for nurture, for care, and there are sacrifices that our moms make day by day by day. And listen, I know it's a wearisome task at times to pour out again and again and again, but God will give you everything you need in that moment to have the strength to pour out one more time. But we have to, listen, you have to, moms, you have to stay connected to the fountain. You have to stay connected to the source. And this applies to, to moms, to dads, to, 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 to men, to women, to kids, to teenagers. That we, if we're going to live a life of love that's overflowing with love, as Pastor John taught us last week, we have to stay connected to the source. And one of the best ways to do that is not only, of course, first and foremost, to look to the love of God in Jesus Christ. But we can look to heroes of faith, to women of God, to, to mothers who reflect the character of God even in the scriptures. You can look to Hannah who, though she was battling infertility in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2, she didn't stop crying out to God in faith that he would provide a child and then after waiting months and years for that child, when God gave her that child, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Hannah, I'm saying, God, thank you, and now this child belongs to me, and he's never leaving my sight. That's not what Hannah does. Hannah says, God, thank you for this child. This child, first and foremost, doesn't belong to me. He belongs to you. And she offers her child Samuel as a dedication to the Lord and Samuel grows up in the temple, not even in Hannah's home so that his life could be offered to God in the service of God. When only Hannah, but we can look to the mother, the earthly mother of Jesus, Mary, who is a woman of faith who humbled herself and put her faith in God when it didn't make sense. And the angel shows up and says, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, I'm a virgin. How does that happen? But she trusted God. And all the way to Jesus' dying breath as he's hanging on a Roman cross, suffocating to death. Yes, that's what happened. Mary is sitting under the cross with tears streaming down her face. The love of a mother. These mothers of of God in the, in, the, in the Old and New Testament. They were present. They were 1,000% emotionally invested, caring, loving, supporting, praying, pouring out steadfast love. All because they stayed connected to the source. They had more to give because God kept putting it in them. And so what we see here is we want to make a difference inside the home, not just moms with their children, but us as the people of God, with the family of God, our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
what, what Paul is saying is you learn to love by being taught by God. And then you live out that love on the daily. And then you just keep doing that more and more. You learn, you live, you increase, and then you rinse and repeat and you do it again. And this is how we make a difference. Number one, in the home through increasing love. But then number two, this is, this is how we want to live. We want to make a difference outside the home through work and wisdom. Through work and wisdom. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. After Paul urges them to love more and more, he says, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind their own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. The goal here that Paul has as he's instructing the Thessalonians is that they would live their life in such a way that he uses the word outsiders. What he's referring to is people who are not yet in the family of God, not yet in God's house as part of his spiritual family, that they would see the lives of those inside the spiritual family and they would see a life of love, a life of wisdom that would cause them to respect and look upon these people and say, I don't know what's up with them, but I think I want what they've got. And so Paul says that we are to aspire to a certain kind of life. The word aspire means to strive after. It means to go after when you really want something, you know. You're willing to make some sacrifices to go after it. And the same word is used by Paul in Romans 15 verse 20 where he says, I make it my ambition. To, to aspire and to make an ambition are one and the same. He's saying, this is what I'm going after, that I want to get to places and I want to tell people about Jesus who have never heard about Jesus. And Paul says, this is, this is the kind of, kind of vision you're to live with. This is, this is how you are to live and to make it the goal of your life to have three aspirations. And these three aspirations are lived out by two motivations. Number, number one, what's the first aspiration? He says, Live quietly. Live quietly. Now, I know some of you hear that and you're like, Pastor Tanner, I got you. I got you. I, I, I like to kind of chill in the background. I don't want to be the life of the party. So live quietly. I can do that. Like I, I can't do everything in the Bible very well, but I can certainly do that. But then others of you are like, live quietly. What would you... You better not be talking to me, Pastor Sam. Like, that's impossible. Don't look to me to live quietly. And this is a great opportunity, by the way, to say, listen, God is neither an introvert nor an extrovert. Right? God is God. He is, he is the perfect listener and the perfect conversationalist. It says in Psalm 23 that God is the kind of God that he'll lead us to streams of peaceful waters. And at the same time, on the flip side, he will throw the most epic, extravagant celebrations, just like we're still anticipating in the month of June. I know it's Mother's Day, but we're going to be watching Game 7 in my house because Marcia said so. <laughs> For the Doug Bow Parade, it's like God is great. He's going to throw greater celebrations than that. 
But when it says live quietly, Paul is not simply referring to volume. In fact, I don't think he's primarily referring to the volume of our lives. Because if he, if he was meaning only live quietly, like don't, don't, don't make noise with your, with your love, with your faith, talking about Jesus, it would actually contradict what he's already said in 1 Thessalonians. Because what did it say in chapter 1, verse 8? It says, the word of the Lord sounded forth from you. In Macedonia, in Achaia. If you remember when I taught this back a couple of months ago, we said that the word sounded forth this like a thunderclap. It's loud. It reverberates all over the place. And so perhaps what Paul is saying is don't live in such a way that draws attention to yourself for, your, for the sake of yourself. But also, this, this phrase, live quietly, it was used in the first century to contrast people who were living evil, ungodly lives. And so Paul's saying, live quietly, live a life of moral goodness, live a life that shows how much God has changed you from the inside out. But then, number two, he says, mind your own affairs. And I love this. If you go to the Greek and check it out, it, it literally says, be busy with yourself. <laughs> be busy with yourself. And so I don't know about you, but, but I know some people, I shouldn't be guilty of it myself, but, but I know some people that were probably like some people in the church of Thessalonica that they just like to kind of know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like they like to stick their nose in other people's business. And what, what Paul is saying here, essentially, like my friends in high school used to say, mind your biz. Mind your biz. Amen. I can still hear my friend Lashana in homeroom saying, Tiana, mind your biz. I can, just, I can just hear it right now. Don't be meddling. Don't, don't, don't get wrapped up in things that don't pertain to you. And if you say, well, Pastor Tanner, I just have a hard time figuring out what's my business and what's their business. <laughs> Look, here, here's a little tip. Ask them if it's your business. And they're probably going to tell you what? Mind your biz. You got it. You're learning fast today, church. Good job. All right. So we want to, three aspects. We want to live quietly. We want to mind our biz. And then number three, Paul says, work with your hands. Work with your hands. What is he talking about here? Paul and his friends set an example for the church because when they came into Thessalonica, we know that they made tents with their hands to support themselves. And we'll find out later in, 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 in 2 Corinthians, uh, Thessalonians chapter 3 that some in the church were idle. He even says that in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians to admonish the idle. He's, he's saying that there were some in the church that were letting other people do everything for them. They weren't taking care of their own responsibility. And, and as we're talking about making a difference outside the home through work and wisdom, we, we could hear this and assume Paul is only talking about vocational work that you are paid for. But... Paul is, is not limiting it to a job that where you earn a salary, a paycheck, all right? He's, he's saying really any work that you do with your hands for the common good is what we should be engaged in. So, for example, on Friday, 
I took my guy Titus, who's almost five, and I said, to get Mother's Day weekend started, we are going to go outside and we are going to do some yard work, right? And we mulched up the front and we mulched the back and it's looking good for mommy, right? And it's excited about that. So, so this work is, does not necessarily mean a, a job for which we get paid. I mean, who knows that stay-at-home moms who are led by God to stay at home with their kids, who knows that sometimes being a stay-at-home mom feels like two full-time jobs, not one full-time job. Amen? Amen. And, and, and just so you know what kind of church we are, we are a church that celebrates every assignment God gives we celebrate women working outside the home. We celebrate women and moms who are staying at home to work. The issue is not where we work with our hands. The issue is that we are being led by God and doing what God leads us to do. And we'll shout out the stay-at-home dads on Father's Day, all right, and just get ready for it. Right? <laughs> One other caveat here, if, if you're currently unemployed, but seeking work, if you're on disability, sadly unable to work, maybe you're retired. I don't believe this verse applies to you. Except to say, wherever you find an opportunity to make a positive contribution, whether that's working with your hands or making a, a, a contribution. In the first century, most people were working with their hands to, to, to get stuff done. Now we work with our minds, we work with our laptops and but, but what, wherever you can find a positive contribution to make it as we love our neighbor as ourself. Paul says at the end of verse 11, I'm doing this as a reminder to you. I've already taught you these things, but why? Why is Paul saying, hey, you should chase after these three aspirations to live quiet, to mind your business, and to work with your hands? He says in verse 12, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and depend on no one. I think the New Living Translation is clear in some respects, not all, when it says, then people who are not believers, that's clear on who outsiders are, then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. So these two motivations for these three aspirations, number one, people who don't yet believe in Jesus will respect the way that we live and follow Jesus. In other words, we talk all the time about how we want to be a church that's in the city of Medford, for the city of Medford, and greater Boston. So that people who don't yet believe what we believe about God, maybe don't believe that Jesus really rose from the dead and can change our lives today and forever, we want those people to see the way that we live and say, man, those people are giving Jesus a good name. That's how we want to live. But then, number two, he says, not only so that people will respect you, but so that we can support ourselves and not freeload off of others. And apparently this is what was going on in Thessalonica. And, and so Paul says to, to not, to not freeload, to not mooch off of other people is actually another reflection of the gospel because God is a creative God and God is a working God. John 5.17 says, my father is always at work and I too am working. So when you go to, job, to your job tomorrow, you're actually reflecting who God is because God made you to work. And Jesus in his dying breath, his, his very final words before he died, he said what? It is finished. 
He finished his work. He completed the task. And any time we engage in a good endeavor, whatever that looks like for you in your vocational work or beyond volunteering, even in the life of this church, you're reflecting the heart of God as you work with your hands, providing for yourself, providing for your family. And so let me encourage you, listen, as we strive to make a difference inside the home through increasing love, as we strive to make a difference outside of the home through work and wisdom, this is how we make Jesus look good in our city. And this is how godly men and women from generation to generation have lived throughout the life of the family of God. And so what I want to do as we wrap up our time, I want to invite my friend, Ana Maria, to come out. And she's going to pray over moms and our church family. It's just a blessing that God would help us live these kind of lives. But then before she does, I just want to read some words from Proverbs chapter 31, verses 24 through 31, that talk about this kind of virtuous woman who's making a difference inside and outside of the home. Listen to these words. It says, she makes linen garments and she sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Ana Maria, thanks for leading us in prayer. Thank you, Pastor. I just want to say one quick thing that um, when Pastor Tanner asked me to lead the prayer, I feel completely inadequate. Mm. Because I do complain about how motherhood is. Because mm -hmm. I do complain about how short I feel like I mm -hmm. fall in mm -hmm. this assignment. But it doesn't start with prayer because mm -hmm. I do strive to do what God intended me to do. Yeah, awesome. So yeah. Let, this let's is a, pray. This is an awesome mom right here. I, I love that humility. Thanks, Andre. No. Yeah. No. yeah stop. Oh, stop. <laughs> yeah, no. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So let's pray. Oh, God, you more than anybody knows how mm. hard it is for me to pray out loud, but <laughs> you are here with me. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you for this day. Mm. We thank you for all the moms. We're here to celebrate and honor moms. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, God. Mm -hmm. Thank you that you are full of love. You're full of kindness. You're full of grace. You're full of mercy. We love because you first love us, God. Yes. And our prayer today is that you fill us with your love. Yeah. It's the only way, God. It's the only way that we can stay connected to you. And that is reflected in the way we interact with our kids. We treat our kids. We mm -hmm. talk to our kids. I pray, God, that, that you keep us strong in those moments that we don't know what to do. That we feel so inadequate. Mm -hmm. And we are inadequate because... Loving sacrificially is not natural. 
but we can do it because you first love us, God. Yes. We can love because you first love us. Keep us encouraged. Thank you for all the moms that already do a great job. Mm -hmm. Keep them encouraged. Help us learn from them. Thank you for teachers and for foster parents and for everybody that willingly love unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God. I also want to pray for people that motherhood or Mother's Day represent a reminder of a struggle, God, for whatever reason. Because their moms are not here. Because it's a reminder of a broken relationship with their mothers or with their kids. Because of the unimaginable pain of losing a kid. Because of the pain of infertility or struggling to conceive. Because of uh, the pain of miscarriage of a difficult pregnancy. Because of the pain that an abortion brings, God. We pray for all of them. We pray that you keep us encouraged. That you fill us with love to the point of overflow, God. That is displayed in our homes. Primarily in our homes, God. With our husband, with our kids, God. I pray that you remind us that you're in control. That you remind us that our kids are yours. Thank you, God, for giving us the opportunity to represent you in their lives. Remind us that you are with us every step of the way. And every moment that we feel like we need to run, God. Remind us that you are with us, that we are enough. And that with you, we can do this hard job because you know it's, it's hard. Um, keep us encouraged. Keep us Keep us close to you, connected to you, God. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Anna Maria. Yeah. Right, awesome. Thank you. Great job. <laughs> no, you did great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank, thanks, thanks, Anna Maria. Um, so so here, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to stand and sing a final song. And I want to invite if, if uh, Marsha and Preeti wouldn't mind to come down and, and pray. Um, maybe Emma, our, our new discipleship director, if she'll also come down and pray. I uh, just would love uh, to give space to the women in our church, especially. I mean, men, if you need some love and prayer today, I'm going to be right over here on the side, all right? But I want to have just a special time, a special time for moms to receive prayer uh, as we respond to God. Uh, anything that's on your heart. Today's a joyful day and you want to celebrate, they're here to celebrate with you. Today's a difficult day and you just need some support and encouragement, uh, then come forward and receive prayer as we sing and respond to God. Thank you.